You are listening to Parenting Our Future with certified parent coach Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in parenting so you can create the family you always wanted. For more information on my book and other resources, check out yellingcurebook.com. It's Robin McMahon here. Welcome back to my show, Parenting Our Future. Today, I have a super cool guest. You're going to love her. Her name is Wendy Gossett, and uh, she is a super cool mom. I just want to say that to start out with, and you'll see and understand why shortly. Trust me. Um, So Wendy is here. She's a best-selling author. She's a speaker and a parenting specialist who helped parents understand their children by using temperament, psychology, and neuroscience. I so, I love that. She has over 20 years experience in education, working in the classroom, and also in the corporate sector. But here's the thing, Wendy, uh, with all of her educational experience, it didn't help when parenting her daughter because they were opposites. She struggled to connect with her daughter. And since the user manual, as she says, for her for parenting her daughter didn't exist, she set out to create one. I love it. So because she has struggled as a helicopter parent and explosive parenting parent and also an embarrassing parent, she wants to help other parents who struggle just a little bit less. So Wendy, thank you for being here. I love all that you're doing in support of parents and also with your own family. Welcome. Thank you. And I could say the same thing about you. Oh, so. oh thank you so much. That's right. Yeah, it's it's all good stuff. I love um, I love this here that your daughter has been like I consider my kids my greatest gift. They, you know, I tell my son, my oldest son, who who is my biggest challenge, <laughs> also my greatest gift. He makes yes. me want to be a better person. He makes me want to be a better parent. And so, tell me a little bit about what's your what was the deal with your daughter and you, and what what happened there. Well, I was not as um, amazing as you were um, back in the day. I had to come to that realization through much, um, much tears and frustration. So I'm hoping hoping to bring other parents to that point a little quicker through understanding. So my daughter was, well, my son will go back. My son was super easy. And I, I think there's some adage out there about, you know, your first child's going to be easy and then just wait for your second child. (laughs) I always think you get one of each, honestly, you know, whether first or second, you get one of each. (laughs) Yeah. Or else you'd just be walking around with, you know, thinking you were all that. So, and that's kind of how I was. I was, I was thinking I have this parenting thing, you know, all figured out. And then my daughter came along. So my son was kind of like Bob Ross. He was this rule follower, you know, mellow kid. And then my daughter was like the Black Widow. You know, she's really tough, independent. She'd, you know, take the heads off of her dolls and write on them with Sharpies and had pet rats and ran them through like an obstacle course. She was like their general and they were her little, you know, sergeants and Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, and I tried to relate to her um, by what came naturally to me, which was I'm a feeler. I'm an extroverted feeler. And I talk about my feelings and, and she wanted nothing to do with that. 
She mm. is uh, very, very prickly. She's very, very independent. She's very logical, very analytical. But I didn't realize any of those things about her, except for the prickly part. <laughs> and mm. so I framed all of her strengths as weaknesses yeah. because I didn't understand them. So, well, I was going to just say, how did that make you feel when, you know, when she was so different than you, when she was doing like, what did you feel? It was really unpleasant because I, if I were to be honest, I didn't like her. I loved her, but I didn't like her because I didn't know how to relate to her. Mm -hmm. And I think you know, if I was being really honest, I'd say I kind of wanted a little mini me, maybe somebody really easy to understand. And, um, but then just like you said, once I realized how our brains were wired, I realized that we are literally opposites of each other. And really our brain configurations are like a lot of husbands and wives and that whole Jerry Maguire effect where we complete each other. That's actually how my daughter and I, how we're wired is we can mm-hmm. actually complete each other. My greatest strengths are her weaknesses. So right. she's very uncomfortable with feelings and expressing her feelings and she has social anxiety and I'm not very logical and, right. and she's extremely logical and right. And so, and, we, and we have video proof of how illogical you are. <laughs> I'm just going to tease that, and we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. But here's what I want to say about what you what you're saying is that you're saying that her differences from you, and let's be honest, we all expect a little mini me in one way or another, <laughs> right? We expect to be able to relate to our kids um, and that they're going to be just like us. Well, right. here's the thing. The thing is, is that forget that thought because that's not the way it is. But as parents, we project a lot of expectations. We project our dreams, our, yes. our, you know, all of this onto our kids and then they will, and especially a daughter like yours, they will reject it. Like absolutely, absolutely not. Do not fit me into your box, mom. I don't want to be there. And then you are now faced with a choice. I see it as a choice, whether you are going to dishonor her all of her life and tell her all the way she's wrong, how she doesn't, you know, she's not good enough. And, and maybe you don't say it like that. You just, right. through your actions, through your experiences, she sees that she's a disappointment, but you being the kind of mom that you are, you are saying, no, like, how do I take what the way she is and the way I am and create connection together? And what you're talking about by the, by the way, psychologists called de-identification. It's an actual thing, differentiation where kids want to be different and make their own way. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so when you can learn about their temperament. And it goes very deep and detailed into how their brain actually functions. Mm -hmm. um, What are their main functions and what are their more struggling functions? Mm -hmm. And so that you can have realistic expectations for your child. And since my daughter was an introvert, it means it meant that her strengths were hidden from Mm -hmm. view. And, and, And when kids are younger, all you can see sometimes are the weaknesses because they're underdeveloped. These strengths are underdeveloped. And so 
um, when you can learn their temperament at an early age, you can know what you need to grow and what you need yeah. to look for in them. And so I learned that she was this tactile, analytical girl. And so I was able to direct her out of drama, which she was in theater with her friends and she actually couldn't figure out why she wasn't that good at it. And I directed her into engineering and physics when she got a little bit older because yeah. I knew her strengths. Yeah. yeah, And, and here's one thing though, as I'm listening to you that I, I just want to jump in and say, it's so important for parents to realize that when your kids are different from you and they're resisting you or they're just, they're just so different. It's not about you. So this is about you looking at your child for who they are, for, for the gifts that they have that may or may not be like yours. But, but, and, and I think this is where the work is too, for us parents is to look at our children child in all of the beauty that they are, whether you can identify with it and relate to it or not. And, and then say, look, they're like this, but that isn't against me. They're not trying to, um, to manipulate me, upset me. They're just, it's like, I just gotta like not bring my baggage as a parent into this relationship because it's not about me. Right. And it's just about my child. And how do I, how do I learn who my child is so that I can honor them? And that's what you help people to do. Right. And so what I, what I want to do is, and you've started to talk about this a little bit, but I want to just back up for a second and just talk about what is temperament. So we're talking about your daughter's temperament that was so different than yours. Yes. And and then what, what, like, just tell me in, in an, in a, in an, in an easy way to understand what is temperament. So the easiest way to understand it is the wizard of Oz. And some of our kids haven't even seen that movie, but <laughs> it's a great classic movie. And it came along, um, right around, uh, Carl Jung when, well, Frank Baum, what wrote the wizard of Oz in the 1920s, right when Carl Jung came up with the psychological functions of the brain and uh, each one of the wizard of Oz characters has a motivation. So Dorothy's motivation was to go home and the motivation of Dorothy's temperament is safety, security, and following the rules. Mm-hmm. And that's about half of society is that type. And most parents had at least one parent that was that type that parented them. And so we tend to have those expectations that we're going to have a child that follows the rules that is in the box that, you know, does all those things according to plan. Right. We all want Dorothy's. Yes, we do. And, and schools, a lot of schools are designed for Dorothy for Dorothy and yep. (laughs) And, and then you have, and by the way, my first child was a Dorothy. That's funny. Yes. He was the boy, boy, but he was Dorothy. Mm -hmm. And then you have the lion mm-hmm. and you can imagine the lion is opposite of Dorothy. The lion just, just was all about courage. And if you think about a lion, they're free. They roam free. They don't want to be in a cage. And so that lion type is the opposite of Dorothy. They want to be out hunting and gathering and, and not following the rules. Okay. And blazing they, their own trail. Right. They fear being controlled. And okay. so as a little baby, 
You can even tell when they're little. Mm. You can tell if you have this child who's pretty easy to understand and, you know, Mm. tends to listen to you. Or if you have this lion that is just doing their own thing and super independent and doesn't want to listen to you. They're challenging. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you have, speaking of challenging, the scarecrow. Mm -hmm. And the scarecrow was all about his brain. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't even on the planet, right? He was up on that post. And because the scarecrow is intuitive and Mm -hmm. he's more about his thoughts and ideas than he is what's in the physical world. And he's all about being autonomous and smart and Mm. proud. And so he's a challenger too, because he thinks he knows more than you, mom Mm -hmm. and dad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's, uh, you know, he's very, very smart and wants to, to lead his own, his own ship or be the captain of his own ship. And then you have the uh, tin man who was all about his heart. And so that type is, I feel like you and I, because we're both very, very relational and we're all about, um, you know, helping people and, you know, deepen, deepening relationships. And that Tin Man was also intuitive. So um, not in the physical world as much, but more about um, feelings and relationships and extremely sensitive. Remember, he was rusting up all the time. And so in a nutshell, those are the four temperaments, but of course, you know, people are super complicated. Yes. So underneath complex. Yes. Yes. So (laughs) underneath each one of those temperaments, you have four specific types. And so you can have introverted Dorothy's extroverted Dorothy's. You can have feeling Dorothy's. You can have prickly Dorothy's who are really controlling. Um, You can have bossy Dorothy's and you can have passive Mm. Dorothy's. So you have, Subtypes for each one. Can you have um, a lion that's crossed with um, the scarecrow? Oh, yes. So you can, yeah. Because I was thinking when you were talking, I I was thinking, you know, I definitely have- That's my daughter, by the way. Oh, that's (laughs) my son. My daughter. So my daughter's a lion and lions eat humans. Right? Yes. I'm a man, she's a lion, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking my son is a, a cross between the scarecrow and the um, and the lion for sure. Yes, it's um, because but but girl. also has some tin man in him too. You know, is mm-hmm. big, beautiful heart and is full of love and light. Um, but then it's the other stuff that shows up. So so here is what I know about temperament, mm-hmm. and I am I am open for you to challenge me if you think it's if if, if I have it wrong. But really, mm-hmm. and this is what I tell parents too is temperament is who your child is versus their behavior, right? So if your child is more of a lion or the, the scarecrow or whatever it is that, that if you, if you don't like that, and and I I think it really relates to what you, what we've kind of already established here with your daughter. And, and, Uh and if you don't accept who they are, Uh that is, who like that is who they are you cannot change that part of them that is who they are Mm -hmm. and so for for you to try to change that all you're doing is sending the message that they're not good enough they're not lovable or valuable in this world right so many more things and I think if 
and, and that's where a lot of problems with self-esteem come, come in. And the way that you label your child, and if you're labeling your child based on their temperament, which you can't change anyway, then that becomes the record that plays in their head. In, mm-hmm. it throughout their life, right? Like, oh, you know, yeah, she's always so bossy or, yes. oh, she's just she's such a chatterbox yes. or, you know, um, you know, he's, he's, he's a bad egg, you know, he just always needs so much attention or, or whatever. He's so difficult, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, if we can actually flip it and say, okay, like, let's reframe the way we see our kids and sh- look at those positive traits. And that's what you're doing. Is that right? Yes. For, for instance, argumentative. The, the strength of that, they've actually, studies have proven that argumentative kids are extremely intelligent. They're usually, a lot of times, that scarecrow type. Mm-hmm. And the strength of argumentative is problem solving and negotiation. Mm-hmm. And so if you can start calling that argumentative child your family problem solver, Mm-hmm. then that's a whole different way to, to frame it. And then I also want to touch on something. So it's not just focusing on the strengths. Um, it's also to motivate your child and to have that mutual respect. It's mm-hmm. also being willing to admit that your way is not the only way and to point out your limitations because we all have them. Mm-hmm. And when you were talking about how your son has all these facets, really you're talking about the four brain functions that each, oh, yes. one, of us, each one of us has. And so, but we use them in different order. We use some more than others. And so we all have one brain function that causes us stress that is our most underdeveloped function that comes out when we're stressed. And if we know what that is as parents, we can talk about our limitations to our kids. And mm-hmm. if it's the case of my daughter and I, I can actually go to her when I have a problem that's in my most inferior area and say, hey, you're really strong in this area. I'm weak. Can you help me out? And so it's that mutual respect and actually admitting that you don't have all the answers. And when you're willing to share your limitations with your kids, they're going to be a lot more willing to admit their limitations and, and be motivated to, um, to do or to work on those those Mm -hmm. areas. Yeah. I really like that. And I I think that some parents may think, well, I don't want my kid to know where I am not good in because I want to look like I'm good at everything. But I think that really humanizes you as a parent. And, and also like, how cool is it that your parent, this all knowing, all seeing parent sometimes says, Hey, you know what? You're good at something. Help me out. Like, what do you think? Like how amazing is that when you can um, elicit your child's ideas and thoughts and, and feelings and, and, and say, Hey, you taught me something today. I learned something from you. Right. That, I mean, your child will be burst pride. Right. That they help mom. That's how you you motivate them by truly seeing them and knowing them. And, um, you know, and both of you, admitting that, you know, we all have weak areas and, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think to put on that lens of looking at other people, knowing they have weak areas too, because in this world of followers and, you know, the highlight reel, you know, 
kids can tend to look at other people and think, oh, they have it all together. I'm the only one that has these faults. And, and when you let your child know that now there are these temperaments out there and every single one of them has weaknesses, has limitations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, would you tra- tra- um, trade yours for someone else's? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you wouldn't. You know, if, if you found out what other people's limitations were or the things that they struggle with. Right. And so giving kids this lens of perspective to understand that everyone has their unique strengths. You can't have the strengths of every temperament and type, right. just like you wouldn't want to have the weaknesses of every temperament. And, type. and the message is beyond that, I think, is that just because you have a weakness doesn't mean you're a failure in that area. It just is a less exercised muscle or a less, you know, honed in skill. And so this is not something you beat yourself up about. You just say, you just recognize it. And you recognize that that's also a shared human condition that, that therefore we all have weaknesses. And I think that's so important to know. And I think it's important for moms and dads to know too, that like the mom who, um, (laughs) who brings cookies to the classroom where I go to the store and buy cookies, like that just (laughs) isn't where I excel. So like, that doesn't make me less of a mom or, you know, less of a human even because she can do it and I can't. That's okay. I do a lot of other really important stuff. So I'm fine to not bake those cookies for the class. Don't, Don't you think? Oh, and it's important to, to know that it's not a fixed mindset that we're talking about. Here. Oh, I love it. It is a growth mindset. You can grow that inferior function. So for instance, my daughter's most inferior function was extroverted feeling, which is my number one. So she had <laughs> social anxiety. She you know, felt awkward around people. Um, she's an introvert. And so she's not going to just own that for the rest of her life. She realizes she needs to work on it. She can grow Mm -hmm. and she's grown by leaps and bounds in that area. But, you know, I said it before, what you don't know, you can't grow. And so when you know that about your child early on, you can, you know, start giving them fun apps to play that teaches them about that inferior function. You can, Mm you know, you can encourage them when they're not stressed out. You know, it's never in the heat of the moment that you talk to them about their weakness. Mm-hmm. You encourage them when everything's great and they're confident to mm-hmm. you know, step out of their comfort zone a little bit and, and, and build that, that mm-hmm. inferior function. So it really is important that you look at your child without judgment, that you look at your child really, um, in a neutral space and just, you know, without attaching anything to it, any judgment to it, any criticism to it. It's like, okay, this is just the way she is. This is just my daughter just does not, is not a feeler, but we know that emotional intelligence is important in this world. So what can I do to help her understand the, the language of feelings and needs and, and, and to make her way in the world because that is important. So that's what you're saying. Yes. And uncertainty breeds fear. Yeah, and so when my ever. daughter was certain of what her brain functions were, it helped her mm-hmm. not be as afraid and not be so um, just, you know, wondering about, am I broken? Am I, mm-hmm. why am I not like other girls? Why at my birthday party, I want, I'm the lion. So I want to be the center of attention, but why are these other kids there? It's more natural to them. 
And when she realized that she was an introvert and that she's not a feeler and that she's very different from how a typical girl is wired, she was able to be more confident and to own who she was and to have a better sense of identity and confidence because she realized that she was created a certain way for a reason and it wasn't just by accident and she's not the only one on the planet that's wired that way. You are currently listening to the Parenting Our Future podcast. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon and if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this. Please don't forget to subscribe and I would be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating on iTunes. If you're a parent who's struggling and you feel like you might need some support to be the confident leader of your family where you can calmly respond to any kind of behavior, disrespect, or your kids not listening to you, well, I have a membership group that you might be interested in. All you have to do is go to kamomsclub.com for more information. That's kamomsclub.com for more information. Now, back to the show. So what I hear you saying is you're talking about these different brain functions as well. So we've got temperament and then we've got, um, within the temperament, we've got we can break each of those four areas down, those four types of temperament from Dorothy to the scarecrow and so on. And then beyond that, you can break each of those down uh, into 16 different types, but those are created by brain function. And what, what, what I understand and what I just want to clarify for everybody listening. So we all have a really good understanding of it is there are also four uh, main brain functions, right? Your number one, your number two, three, and four. And so four would be the least developed and your number one function is where like your go-to. Is that right? Yes. And also we were, we were talking about weaknesses and strengths. I actually like to call them imbalances because, uh, strengths can actually be where our imbalances or weaknesses come from. So, you know, just like we talked about with the argumentative and right. So, yeah, so I like to call them imbalances and we can get those into balance. And and as people grow and become adults, you can see very well-balanced adults that are very good using all their functions. And then you can see adults that are struggling with that. And so, but um, to your point, uh, the brain is divided into thinking and intuition. That's the front area of the brain and then feeling and sensing the back area of the brain. And uh, the 16 types are created by those brain functions coming in different order, different preference. So we were talking about the lion and you said, can you have a combination of the lion Mm -hmm. and the scarecrow? You can because my daughter, her number one brain function is thinking. Mm -hmm. And the scarecrow is all about his brain. Mm -hmm. So my daughter is a thinking lion. You can also have a feeling lion. Um, and so, so that is where those different subtypes come from, are from the different brain functions. Okay. Now, and how early can you start to see children's temperaments? Very, very early on. So what I kind of um, talked about earlier, where that lion is a challenger, and you just know your baby is a challenger. Um, the scarecrow is a challenger. Whereas the Tin Man and the Dor- and Dorothy are more cooperators 
and they just want to get along with you. They want to obey. Now you, you know, you do have hybrids of both of those too, because if you have a Dorothy that is a thinking Dorothy, she can be very my way or the highway, like I said before, Mm -hmm. and so seem a little bit more like a challenger. But the key there is how are they in school? If they're doing really well in school and are super sweet for the teacher and they come home and they're like, uh, 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 then, you know, you've got a thinking Dorothy on your hands. So, yeah, yeah. But, but for the most part, you can tell with babies, they're a traditional cooperator, you know, you understand them or they're a challenger. Yeah, I'll say that my my oldest was a challenger right from the start. Um, but for me, not knowing about temperament back then, I was just super frustrated and annoyed with him because like, could you please stop crying? And, you know, could you just like, I mean, it was, it was hell on earth at the beginning, right? It was, he just nothing. And embarrassingly so, you know, I couldn't get, I couldn't calm him down. I couldn't, um, you know, I even had an epidural and he went up and set it down. Oh, <laughs> probably wow. too much information, but wow. talk about a, cha- a challenger, right? Um, but of course, you know, being the kind of person I am at that time, I took it all to mean, you know, I couldn't do it. I couldn't connect with him. I also blamed him too as his little baby self um, was frustrated. But like, it's just so freeing and so... Um, exciting to know that like we can look at this in a totally different way. I love it. Yeah. I had a parent tell me that it just helped her to relax because she had been feeling as if her child's behavior was a reflection of her Yeah, and she was pushing against that child's temperament. Mm -hmm. And once she realized she could just go with the flow of their temperament and let them be who they were. And she was just their guide. Mm -hmm. It, it really helped her to be able to um, relax and have confidence in her parenting. Um, Because going back to that scenario, you have that child that's crying all the time. And um, you know, you might not be sure if that child is, is just strong and wants to run the show Or that child needs really strong boundaries from you because they're Mm fear-based. And so it just helps you to know, um, because I see that a lot of times where I have a really soft, introverted feeling mother Mm -hmm. who has this child who needs really strong boundaries and is pushing against her with everything he has because he knows he can get away with it. He's like that gambler in Vegas that every now and then he gets the payoff of getting to do what he wants, you know, if he cries long enough. And so he's just going to keep pushing and pushing. And so then that mom has permission to be tough with that child because she knows she's not going to break him. Mm. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I would love all the parents listening to do is to notice the words that you use to describe your child, you know, good, bad, indifferent, just notice the words that you use to describe your child. And if you do say things like he's pushy, he's relentless, she's whiny, or she's such a scaredy cat, notice those words. And then think about those characters that you've talked about and say, okay, like, she just needs reassurance and comfort. That's just the part of her. That's just who she is and not 
you know, again, not criticize them or shame them and look at ways that you can reframe them. And we're going to give people some, some tools here soon um, as well as we, you know, to really help you to, to get to this place. But I really want, you know, I want parents to take a look at the words you use to, to, to label your kids. Uh, and and, and it, it is really powerful when you change the way you see your kid because you see a different child. Well, and there are right? some temperaments that all of society is against them. I, mm. I hate to say that, but it's true. Um, society tells you to have resilience and grit. Society tells you to be an achiever. Yeah. Society tells you to be an extrovert and to network yourself. And, and there are some kids that are none of those things. Society tells you to follow the rules, to be on mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some kids that are just in unicorn land. <laughs> and they are here to bring beauty and yeah. art and creativity. And they're the artists of the world. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of times you see these types just very, very tormented because yeah. they don't know from an early age that they were meant to be this way and that there's oh. nothing wrong with them, you yeah. know, and there's the Harvard happiness study. They followed people over 80 years 50% of a person's happiness is determined by their temperament. Mm-hmm. And so these kids that are born with a very sensitive temperament already have something, you know, going against them. Mm-hmm. But thank goodness, 40% of happiness is based on how we respond to that temperament. So the parent in your mindset. Right. The parent who knows how to teach this child to be in the moment to be with what is certain and true and, and not speculative because some types are actually in the future. They are actually worried and anxious about the future. Some types are in the past. They're worried and anxious about the mistakes they made and they can't let them go. And the lion types are in the moment and they're Mm -hmm. the most resilient kind of optimistic types. Um, And so it's also good for parents to understand that about them. Mm, I think that's really, really important. I love that you just said that. And as parents, we've got to check ourselves, you know, are we freaked out because the societal norm is that we are going to um, want achievers. And if my child isn't an achiever, then they equal a loser. Or if my child is late all the time, doesn't thrive in school, do we now catapult ourselves into the future and they're a drug addict, they're in jail, they're, you know, all of the the worst possible things that we could think of. Um, Whereas if you follow what you're saying, which I love, is that, look, these children are, have a purpose in this world and maybe they're the minority, but they still bring you know, art to us, they bring, they bring different things that, that make this life worth living, but everybody has a place here. And I I really love that. That's really beautiful. And I love what you said about, you know, there are, you know, half the world are Dorothy's. So we love to plan and we like Mm -hmm. to want to know what's going to come next. And with temperament, you can actually get a pretty good idea what's going to come next because Mm -hmm. each one of those brain functions develops at different stages in the child's life. Mm-hmm. So the third brain function, um, we call it the tertiary function, develops when the child is around 10, 11, 12 years old. And so if they're an extreme, prickly, black and white, rigid kind of kid, 
you can look forward to in the teen years or the tween years, feeling is going to start developing. Mm. And then as an adult, that baby function, the infant most inferior function starts developing more as well. So they're going mm. to get more balance to their temperament in the teen years. And wow. for some of the Dorothy rule followers, you start seeing them in the teen years, go get a tattoo or go out and do something crazy. Right. And parents are like, what is happening? And that's when their inferior brain function is starting to come out, which is exploring. And right. so they feel safe now to start exploring a little bit. And so mm. it's, it's a way to just really forecast into their future as well. Wow. That's very cool. Okay. So let me ask you this. How do things like, you know, we're talking about brains. How do things like ADHD or being on the spectrum, um, how, how does things like that affect the temperament? Because wouldn't that do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you have an introverted thinker who is also intuitive. So mm-hmm. that makes that child socially, um, socially awkward because he's in his head and he's in his head with all those brilliant thoughts that are out of the box thoughts. So this child can often be um, called Asperger's or autistic or, um, and I'm not saying that that's not the case, but sometimes it's just this very unusual temperament that's like 0.1% of the population and the parent does not know who this child is. They think they're an alien. Like I had a mom, an adoptive mom, who had one of the most rare temperaments herself. So her lens was very narrow. Her biological son also had a rare temperament. So she had this really skewed perspective of what normal was. So her adopted child would run their finger along a dirty car and then lick it. And she thought something was really wrong with this child. But this child was acting perfectly normal for a sensory seeker. Right. And so sensory seekers often have ADHD. Yeah. Um, sensory. So introverted sensors often have sensory processing or they have anxiety or OCD because that introverted sensor is so sensitive to sounds and taste. Mm-hmm. So they can have misophonia or um, they can have some of these, you know, OCD um, mm-hmm. conditions because mm-hmm. of that um, textures and, you know, a food and clothes and s- sounds and, and those mm-hmm. sort of things. Um, so they go you know, hand in hand. They yes. can go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really fascinating. And, and they've actually, you know, done images of brains. My daughter and I actually did it, mm-hmm. but the brain of the extroverted intuitive mm-hmm. looks like a Christmas tree mm-hmm. when it's solving a problem. And it's the only brain like that. It's the fastest moving brain mm-hmm. because they use, bring all their faculties to problem solving because they're so creative. And this child doesn't pick a lane. This is the kid that you've got this Dorothy parent who's like, come on, pick one sport and get good at it. And this kid's like, no, I want to do this sport this season and this creative thing this season. And I want to do this next and this next. And they want to do it all. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And that's how their brain is wired. (laughs) And, um, and so it, you can really learn a lot from how your child brain, how your child's brain functions. Mm. And just stepping out of judgment and just noticing like, okay, it just really seems like my kid just wants to do it all. So if they do, I can allow that. Right. It's not, it's, it's hard though, because, you know, you don't want to be the permissive parent, you know, you want to be able to have guidelines. Um, And so that's why knowing their temperament and knowing they're wired like this, you're able to say to siblings, for instance, well, this is how your brother is wired. And so we don't have the same expectations for him that we do for you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because one child needs to be, um, needs to have really serious boundaries and rules and the other child is more exploratory and needs more freedom. And so this is how the family, the mom and dad can tell their kids, we honor each other. We Mm -hmm. all have to honor each other. That's really great. I really love that. Mm -hmm. I really, really love that. Uh, That's, that is a really great, uh, a really great piece of advice. So let me, let me just ask, where do people get started then? Because this all sounds so good, right? I can't wait to do this for me and for everybody, everybody I know. Um, but where, where do, where do people get started? Cause you have resources. So yes, I do. And I just want to emphasize that this is not for families in crisis. It can be, but it's also for families who just want to have a deeper connection and for everyone to just really um, understand each other better. Um, So it starts with my online assessment. Um, Parents take it for their children because this assessment is trying to get at the true picture of who someone is, not their learned behaviors. And so when a child takes it for themselves, they might want to be an extrovert. And so they're going to skew their answers or they might not have a full awareness of, of who they are and who they've always been. If it's a girl, she might, you know, and she's a thinker, she's not going to want to answer those questions about being, you know, more rational and not as kind and warm. And because society tells her she needs to be kind and warm. And so parents have a more um, realistic view of who their child is. And so that's why I encourage parents to take my online assessment for their child and child temperament manifests itself very differently than adult temperament because the adult scarecrow is calm and rational. Mm -hmm. The child scarecrow is explosive and they might Mm -hmm. cry for an hour straight because they want their way and they are rigid in their thinking. Mm-hmm. And so they look completely different. Mm-hmm. And a child lion can look completely out of the box and scattered and like a tornado hit their room. But the adult lion has learned they're very practical and they've learned to be efficient and practical. They have to put everything in the same place. Mm-hmm. And so they start looking more like Dorothy. And so I've seen so many of these patterns. And in my book, I actually have over 200 case studies of child temperament mm-hmm. that are very relatable that parents can find their child in. Um, and so I've used all these experiences and patterns to create this online child assessment. And so that's, that's, that's really where it all neat. starts. 
Yeah. Well, what I liked what you just said, though, is is also I think it gives parents a little bit of hope. So your explosive t- child now, who is explosive <laughs> now, right. look, don't freak out and worry that he's going to you know, be this way forever, that yes. he'll grow out of this and actually might be the, the calm and the storm for everybody else. So that's well, that is some good hope. He'll be a CEO that's, you know, paying your bills. Right. Hey, maybe that's, that sounds great. So we're going to, we're going to put a link to that, uh, in, in the show notes here. So you have access to that. Um, we'll also, um, share what your book is all about, where people can get it, because I think it's a really cool thing to have in your back pocket. And, and I like what you said too, this is a proactive thing to do. This is not when the bottom has fallen out of your family. This is like proactively going to go in search of, of, of this kind, you know, of this information for my family so that I understand understand the more. I'm wondering um, what kind of a, what, what personality would, um, would purposely in the middle of a blizzard on an interstate <laughs> embarrass their children? Um, what, who would do that? Oh, well, <laughs> I'm definitely not a rule follower. I mean, I am to some extent, but I like to I don't ever think people are watching me. I'm just that <laughs> kind of personality because I'm not watching other people. I'm just in my own world. I'm an intuitive tin man type. Yeah. But the Dorothys of the world were just cringing because they're like, oh my gosh, my son. That's, he was like so embarrassed. So Wendy, for all of you that don't know, and we're going to put the link to this video <laughs> of her being a total goofball in the best possible way. Um, so she had a video that went viral of her dancing um, in the middle of the interstate when her kids are mortified. <laughs> um, but like this wasn't just... <clears throat> this It went viral, but was talked about by some pretty pretty important people like the Backstreet Boys, um, Hoda Kotb from the Today Show, uh, <laughs> Princess Kate. I mean, come on. You have, I, I like to see Princess Kate doing this uh, with her kids too when you're stuck and you can't do anything. <laughs> but I mean, what a, what a Outside cool. the Rolls Royce. That's right. What a cool, what a cool slash a horrifying mom moment. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I would do that too. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe. Um, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, my, well, my kids might disown me. But well, as I, always, I you and I are both the, the, you know, consummate teachers. So, you know, it was going to be the worst day ever. We were stuck in traffic for four and a half hours. Ugh. And, you know, negative memories stick more than positive memories. They sure do. Negative experiences stick more. So I thought if I could stick a positive memory to this negative mm-hmm. one, my kids will remember this forever. <laughs> And, and now there's no way to deny it. It's probably going to be the number one memory we've ever had as a, Aww. as a family. And if I hadn't done that, you know, um, it would have just gone down as just the crappiest, most awful day and probably would have been forgotten or maybe yeah. just remembered in a really negative light. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon, and if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe, and if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and care.